Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. You want to know the difference between public sector unions like teacher unions and private sector unions? Like oil workers and pipe fitters and steel mill workers? Look what happened to the Keystone XL pipeline with a single signature. And thousands and thousands of of fellow Americans put out of work, and then look at the teachers' unions. The teachers' unions. This is the biggest scam imaginable, where you and I pay these confiscatory property taxes for the right to live in our own homes or to have a small business. That money is redistributed from you who worked for it, washed through the bureaucracy and local government, and given to teachers who aren't working or refuse to go into the classroom and have huge pensions and medical benefits. They're still seeing their doctors. They're still going to grocery stores. They're still going to restaurants. They're still traveling around the country. They're still seeing family members. But the one place they don't want to show up is in the classroom. With a population in the classroom, kids are the least likely according to science and facts and statistics, to even get the virus. Now we have some teachers' unions in some of our metropolitan areas and our bigger counties insisting that not only should they, the teachers, get the double vaccine, but the kids have to get it too before they'll go back to work. This is what happens when Democrats and their surrogates take control. This is what happens. If Donald Trump were still president, and if the Republicans controlled both houses of Congress, what do you think they would do? 
They would be pushing through school choice. So all these kids, particularly inner city kids, particularly black and Hispanic kids, would have somewhere to go to school. And it would be the greatest civil rights revolution that we've seen since the 1960s. But what do we have now? These Stalinist-like unions, these pathetic school boards, a weak president of the United States who will not stand up to the teachers' unions because he's bought and paid for by them, and he has been for 50 years, as has his party. As has his party. They need those precinct workers. They need the massive amount of in-kind contributions. Why do you think every teacher contract in this country that involves the NEA or the AFT insists that their members do not work on Election Day or the day before Election Day so they can work the polls? If you're a teacher union official, feel free to call the program. And defend yourselves. Defend yourselves. And I want to know, do you go to the grocery store? Will you see strangers? Adults? Do you go to restaurants? Where do you go? Do you just stay in your basement? And why should you get a salary increase as a result of staying at home? Why is it the teachers' unions don't have to follow the science from the CDC? Two administrations now. Two separate CDC directors. One Republican, one Democrat. Why is that? The Democrat Party, I've said it a hundred times, I've said it a thousand times. They do not care. The party, listen to me, Washington Post, New York Times, Media Matters, Mediate and all the rest of the reprobates and miscreants and malcontents. Mark my words, the Democrat Party isn't looking out for the people, whether they're six years old or 96 years old. The Democrat Party is looking out for the Democrat Party. And that's a fact. And all these so-called magnificent plans they're pushing is all about empowering the Democrat Party. Not improving the country. Why do you think that Chuck Schumer today says we need to have a $50,000 loan uh, uh, forgiveness for college loans, student loans? Why do you think he's doing that? Anybody know? He doesn't care where the money comes from. He doesn't care if there isn't any money. He doesn't care. Why do you think he's doing that? So forevermore, millennials who go to college or went to college and have this debt can thank the Democrat Party for the $50,000 that was sent to them for free. For free. They didn't have to do a damn thing for, oh, the Democrat Party, looking out for the little guy. Unless, of course, they work on a pipeline. That's why Schumer wants that. There's no other reason. New York Daily Snooze, Schumer, Democratic lawmakers to push for 50000 in student loan forgiveness. Senate Majority Leader, he's got 50, but that's what they call him. 
joined Elizabeth Warren and several of the most progressive Democratic lawmakers, calling for the cancellation of 50000 in student debt. We're here to take a huge burden off so many people, Schumer said. College should be a ladder up, not an anchor down. This guy's such a... It's a power grab with your money. With your money. A power grab. Buying another constituent group. Let me ask you something. Let's say somebody has a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars in student loans, an enormous amount, two points there. Why does it cost so much to go to college? And notice Schumer doesn't want to do anything about that because these are the indoctrination mills for Democrats and leftists. They don't do a thing about the the outrageous tuition costs and room and board costs in any of these colleges and universities. They don't want to know from anything. And the tenured professors who can make a fortune teaching one class a semester, so they don't want to know from that. Or the expansion of these college campuses, like these, these uh, administrators are building empires constantly. New athletic facilities, new housing facilities, updating housing facilities. You never see anything like it. They got more money than, uh, than you can imagine. But they don't want to know anything about it, the Democrats. Why is that? Because that's the breeding ground for the Antifa, Black Lives Matter, other left-wing movements that serve the interests of the Democrat Party. That's why. That's part of their base. That's part of their constituency group. And they're never going to question them any more than they're ever going to question trial lawyers and the massive amount of monies they take out of the economy and out of the hands of consumers. They're never, never going to question Tort lawyers, they don't even bring them up. Slip and fall lawyers, they're never touched. The universities are never touched. So let's see, $50,000 in forgiveness. So let's say somebody's been going to college and they're very wealthy. They're going to get $50,000 in forgiveness too? Apparently. Forgiveness. Unbelievable. And what's going to happen to tuition rates? What's going to happen? Well, of course, if things are, are going to be subsidized, the price goes up. So tuition will go even higher. Then we need free college, you see. Free. So we can send more and more kids to these indoctrination mills so they can, so they can be taught by tenured professors who are Marxists and neo-Marxists and pouring all kinds of poison in their minds. This is what they want to do. And of course, it's talked up by the disgusting New York Daily Snooze. It says, well, look at this. He's trying to help people. No, he's not. He's trying to help himself and his party. They want permanence. That's what they want. They want power forever. These are sick people. These are narcissistic people. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things. And it teaches them still today. 
We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. It's not just the Democrats. This from Blaze. Senator Mitt Romney proposes $350 per child monthly payments to families. Mitt Romney will introduce a plan to create a new welfare program Thursday, granting parents of young children $350 per child every month in perpetuity, not just during the coronavirus pandemic. Romney announced this proposal called the Family Security Act, in a news release that touted the program as a new national commitment to American families by modernizing antiquated federal policies into a monthly cash payment. So what Mitt Romney's doing, he is proposing a basic income program. This is the, this is the floor, $350 per child every month, a new welfare program. And what will happen is this will be used by the left and, of course, even some Republicans to create a national basic wage that will be paid for by the government, which means less incentive to work, more redistribution of wealth. And this is Mitt Romney, really, really a, uh, a bizarre, perverse politician, if you ask me. Now, there was a proposal like this once in the 1972 presidential campaign by George McGovern, who then was considered a radical leftist. And he lost in a landslide to Richard Nixon. And the proposal McGovern had, as I recall, I was a kid, was that every family should receive 1000 or $2,000. I don't know if it was every month, but whenever it was. Uh, as a basic uh, wage and basic income. It was considered outrageous. So now Mitt Romney's taking up where George McGovern left off. 50 years later. Now think about that. A Republican is now making a proposal that is somewhat like what George McGovern was proposing. Absolutely shocking. And this Republican senator is from one of the most Republican and conservative states in America, Utah. Utah. Mitt Romney has spent his career lying to citizens in various states, whether it's Massachusetts, Utah, or Michigan. Lying to the American people when he wanted to be president about what his true views were. Conservative. What did he call himself? And look at him. And this proposal, of course, uh, has been uh, endorsed 
by a number of left-wing groups. Maximum monthly payment to families would be capped at $1,250. And to ensure the policy doesn't benefit the rich, for everyone 1000 above 200000 income for single tax filers, 400000 joint filers, the payments would decrease by $50 until phasing out to zero. Why would somebody who earns above $200,000 need any subsidy, Mr. Producer? Nonetheless, Romney wants to create this basic income program now, which we... I mean, where do these fools think this money's coming from? Where do they think this money's coming from? I'm sure Adam Kingsinger and Liz Cheney, now that she was re-elected by the caucus of the Republicans of the House to be the number three, to retain the number three House leadership position. Uh, next time our friend Kevin McCarthy's on the program, I want to know if he pushed that. You see, they had a secret ballot, which meant that you and I couldn't hold anybody accountable for anything. It was secret. But look at these Republicans. Well, the Democrats are lurching Marxist left. Republicans are proposing spending programs that have a fundamental effect on the psychology and the incentive nature of our economy. They're throwing in with the left. Now think about that. Well, there's something I've been wanting to get to in the last 48 hours. We'll get to it after the break. And that is the continuing effort by the media, by the media, to silence the citizenry and to silence media they disagree with. I don't believe we've ever seen that in American history. And of course, it is the the left-wing media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, and so forth. Those media outlets. CNN is now lobbying on air for deplatforming Fox News. Shocking. Big Tech is deplatforming people left and right, including a former president of the United States. It blocked reporting by the New York Post that was accurate. We know what they're doing. We know who they are. We know what they're up to. They are totalitarians. They are not capitalists. As I've said, they're oligarchs. Like the Russian oligarchs. And they're doing the bidding of the Democrat Party, the massive bureaucracy, the teachers' unions. They're doing the bidding of the left. But I want to read this to you, at least part of it how the Biden administration can help solve our reality crisis from an individual, Kevin Roos, writing at the New York Times like they know what reality is. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part... We need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. 
We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Well, we have Mike in Massachusetts. Mike, you uh, say that you're the vice president of a teacher's union in that state. Is that correct? That's correct, sir. All right. Defend yourself. All right, Mark. Well, first, let me just say... Big fan of the show. Been listening for for many years, and you're spot on with almost every single thing you say. Uh, but uh, tonight, I was, uh, was walking my dog, and I heard uh, the the intro. In the, uh, when's the last time you were in the classroom? And, uh, last time I was in the classroom was uh, two weeks ago, sir. And what were you doing there? My school is uh, currently on. I'm, I'm a teacher. And you were teaching. So I was, yeah, I was teaching. in the classroom with students. But, yes, but then, then we, why? We, then uh, why are you calling? <laughs> well, because we're, we're we're working remotely, these we've been on and off remote all year. So uh, I figured I'd call and, and set the record straight. Well, a but bit. yeah, but you're teaching in the classroom, correct? Yes, sir. Well, not not right now, sir. Two weeks ago, yes, but as of right now, no. Our, our Two metric. weeks ago, you were. This week, you're not. Yes, correct. Why? Uh, because the uh, local um, uh, numbers for uh, COVID outbreak has reached a certain limit. So the, uh, and how many of those are – how old are the kids that you teach? Uh, middle school. And how many of them have had COVID? Uh, that they, they won't tell us, sir. Oh, I they, see. How many of them have been deadly sick from COVID? As far as I know, zero. Okay. The science tells us that they're not COVID spreaders, correct? That is correct, sir. Do you go to grocery stores? Do I? Yeah, yes, yes. Do you go to restaurants? No, sir. No, I do not. Well, that's because your state shut down like a, uh, like a, like a safe. Do you get out and about, or you just stay home all day? Um, I get out and about. My wife and I just had a, a little one. I mean, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so, um, uh, I, I, you know, I would be on paternity leave if not for for the remote. Uh, oh well. By the way, congratulations. But uh, that's not my point. My point is this. You're living like a normal human being, right? You're going to the grocery store. Maybe you go to Walmart every now and then, correct? You're going to the department store. If you need you, if you need to go to Home Depot, you go to Home Depot. Your life hasn't come to a full stop, has it, sir? No, sir. No. No, and okay. I hear what you're saying about, about uh, private unions in the private sector, and definitely my heart goes out to the, the Keystone uh, Pipeline guys. But they don't have the protections that public sector unions have, and the reason is this. They can strike till they're blue in the face. They represent about 6% of the population. Teachers' union represent 100% of the population in any particular school district. And I'm not saying you in particular or your union in particular, but look what they've done in L.A. Look what they're doing in San Francisco. Look what they're doing in Philadelphia. Look what they're doing in New York. Look what they're doing in these cities. Can I ask you a question, Mark? Um, and by the way, did you know I'm a member of a union? 
I did not, sir. I did not. The SAG union. Proud member of a union over here. <laughs> yeah, well, I hate my union. Bunch of left-wing Hollywood nutjobs. Anyway, go right ahead. It's not as bad as you think, though. My local teachers, I can only speak to my local union. And what we do, and certainly my role on the executive board, is to sort of stave off the liberal indoctrination, if you will, the uh, the, uh, uh, the, the hardcore the, leftists. The hardcore leftists, the, the agenda yeah. of some of these uh, the administration and, and the people above us. So really, we're, we're kind of working with the public to keep our property values high. You must and, be in a blue-collar area, aren't you? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, because that's different, isn't it? When you tell me you're fighting to stave off the left, where I live, the left is in the union. Where I live in the, the teachers' union is ultra-left wing. Mark, you'd be surprised. About 60-40. 60-40 left to, to right wing. I was told of. about 70-30. Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe. maybe. Are you NEA? Are you, Are you NEA? Yes, sir. My union is, yes. Yep. Have you gone on their website lately and read what they stand for? I do not, sir. I do not. Do me a favor. You sound like a very, very nice guy, by the way. Do me a favor. Go on their website and see what they stand for. They stand for every left-wing crackpot idea imaginable. That's not your community, right? Because it's a blue-collar community. I, I, I certainly try to. My community is very blue-collar. Yeah, very blue-collar. Um, uh, Rust Belt, if you will. Right. Um, but uh, uh, we're doing sort of the best we can to to provide to keep our schools pretty high my schools also or my state is also pretty high performing with our with our accountability ratings so uh, our mcas test is, is i don't know uh, what that means I this year or last year it means uh, we we have most states have uh, no 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 i know that i was a school board member years and years and years ago did you know that i didn't know really when i was going to law school i ran for the school board and i got elected served on that board for three and a half years it's a remarkable experience, by the way. And I realized what a bunch of dunderheads I was serving with and what a bunch of dunderheads the administration was, being perfectly honest with you. And, um, but all that aside, you see what's happening nationwide, right, Mike? I, I do, I do. I, it, it's great. You see yeah. the suicide rates of kids going up. You see that they're falling behind in education. You see that they're going to have... Uh, Issues with socializing. You literally have kids that haven't been in the classroom for a year. For a year. You have some, well, look, some, let's be honest. Some unions are tougher than others in this regard. I, 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 I admit that. But particularly when you get more and more into the metropolitan areas, you find that the unions are more and more radicalized. Their politics comes into play, and that's why you actually have a leftist mayor in Chicago and a leftist mayor in San Francisco trying to figure out how to get their teachers into the classroom. See what I'm saying? Well, I don't, I don't disagree with any of that, Mark. I just, I, when it, it goes back to, to the Janus ruling, right, the uh, Janus ruling from 2018, where the Supreme Court said, you know, it, no longer do you have to pay an agency fee mm-hmm. to be in a, a, public, a public union, right? So maybe, I'm not sure when you were on the school board, but maybe you remember. Oh, a long time ago, trust me. Participation was mandatory. Yeah, it was mandatory then. It's no longer mandatory now. So you're not seeing the straight-up domination. How many, how many teachers are working in your school system who are not members of your union? 
Oh, no. man, a good 25, 30%. No, no, no. Those that I'm talking about, I'm not talking about substitute teachers or first-year teachers. I'm, t- I'm telling you, full-time, full-time tenured. Every tenured teacher is a member of your union, aren't they? No, no, sir, not anymore. Not since the Janus uh, ruling. Well, Janus is about contributions, about uh, paying. It's not about being a member of a union. It has nothing to do with that. Right, but what... what, what, what I guess what led to 100% participation was you could be a member of the union or pay the agency fee, which was as much, if not more. Right, but what I'm, what I'm saying, let's put that aside, who pays the dues. What I'm saying is every, not substitute, not first-year teacher, every tenured teacher in your school system is a member of your union. That's not true. Well, then how do they get tenure? Uh, they Tenure is called professional status now. It's changed a little bit. All uh, right, I'll call it whatever you want. I'll call it a kumquat. I'll call it whatever you want. All right, so you have, you have three years' experience, and you, it depends on what state you're in. All states are different. But you have, generally speaking, three years' experience and a license to teach in your area. You have professional status. And, it's and so you're saying 25% of the teachers in your school system are not union members. Yep, correct. And so that, they're free to teach. For that. Are they free to yeah, teach? Yep. They are. They are free they are, to teach? Right now, like I said, right, right, it's, not our, it's not their call, though, to teach. They're, they're, right now, everybody's teaching. This, this business of teaching. I'm talking about in classroom, not by computer. All right, but th- that's, that's part of it. It's the world we live in now. It's not up to us whether or not we're, our schools are open. It's up to the local school Look, board. Look, I, I got it, but uh, here, here's my point, too. This is absolutely nonsensical, what's happening to these kids, okay? They're the least likely to get the, uh, the virus, and they're the least likely to pass it. The statistics are unbelievable uh, in this regard. I'm not, they're unequivocal in this regard. You've had two CDC directors, one under Trump, now one under Biden, and says it's the case. It is the case. Facts are facts. Follow the science. Got it. In terms of them uh, uh, passing the virus or the contagion to adults, almost zero. So in terms of getting it and in terms of getting, uh, giving it. Well, and so what's the problem? The Why aren't teachers in the classroom full time? Ask the school boards of every school district. In no, America. the school board. Look, the school. Look, I was on a school board as much as I hated most of my colleagues. I was on a school board. And the fact is, they react to the union. They react uh, to the union. They react to, they react to parents, too, but they react to the union. And uh, I don't know, maybe you live in Nirvana there. Maybe you have the greatest union on the face of the earth. I'm telling you what I live with here, too. I have parents coming up to me when I'm walking my dog and telling me, we went to the school board meeting and half of them are flakes. We're trying to get the schools open, but the union says no. By the way, what kind of dog do you have? You're not... <laughs> that is a, a Maltese poodle making all that noise. I'm sorry about that. We, uh... No, don't be sorry. My dog's, uh, well, one of them passed bark. What kind of poodle? Uh, Maltese poodle. Maltese poodle. A Maltese poodle. Okay. Mike, you sound like a good guy, buddy. I want to thank you. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you listening to your show every single night. All right. God bless. Take care of yourself. We have a ton of union members who listen to this show. A ton of union members who listen to this show. And I want to thank them for that. That's not my point. My point is these schools need to be open. Gentleman said it's 60-40 in the unions. It's actually more like 65-35-70-30 in the unions. I'm not talking about all unions. I'm talking about the teachers' unions. 
In fact, there have been surveys done on this. You go to the NEA website, take a look at what they stand for. And they, of course, endorsed Biden, and they put out an army of volunteers for him on Election Day in the precincts. Biden doesn't want to tell them to go to work. But you have these two minority mayors, two women, women of color. One runs the third biggest city in the country. One runs one of the biggest cities in the country, San Francisco. And they've said enough is enough. They've stood up where Biden won't. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. That guy seems very sensible to me, doesn't he, to you, Mr. Producer? Okay, we need a teacher union official from Philadelphia, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, San Francisco, to call us. Why not? Just give us a call. We'll let you through immediately, won't we, Mr. Producer? How the Biden administration can help solve a reality crisis. Donald Trump helped reveal what the media in this country really are. They are mouthpieces for totalitarianism. They are propagandists. That's exactly what they are. From Jeremy Peters to Phil Bump to Brian Stelter. To all the rest of the reprobates. That's all they are. They're not standing up for liberty and they're not concerned about Biden signing executive orders after executive orders. They cheer on Schumer and the Democrats as they roll through the legislative process. They think it's well. So this guy, Kevin Roos, writes in the New York Times, and I would expect it in the New York Times or the Washington Post. Since last month, millions of Americans watched as President Biden took the oath of office and in a high-minded inaugural address called for a new era of American unity. So you already know the guy is a partisan hack. But plenty of other Americans weren't paying attention to Mr. Biden's speech. They were too busy watching YouTube videos alleging that the inauguration was a pre-recorded hoax that had been filmed on a Hollywood soundstage. What the hell is this guy talking about, Mr. Producer? They find one kook here or there, and then they, they apply what the kook is doing to millions of Americans. 
Millions of Americans. Would that be like in 2016 or 2017 where Donald Trump is giving his inauguration? All the kooks on TV, not YouTube, TV, like in the New York Times, pushing the Russia collusion hoax. Remember that? Oh, yeah, we need a reality check on that. Or they were melting down in QAnon group chats, trying to figure out why former President Donald Trump wasn't interrupting Biden's speech to declare martial law, announce the mass arrests of satanic pedophiles. Again, what is this fool talking about? He dare not point to the left and all the conspiracy theorists and nutjobs on the left because most of them are being mainstreamed. None of us embrace this crap, and yet look how they write. They're looking for excuses, like totalitarians, to choke off our liberty. Or maybe their TVs were tuned to OAN. Oh, OAN is like now QAnon. I see. Where an anchor was floating the baseless theory that Mr. Biden wasn't actually elected by the people. Oh! Russia collusion. If he thinks OAN is bad, my God, does he ever read his own newspaper? What a crap newspaper the New York Times is. Should we have had a a reality crisis and a commission to look into that when the New York Times covered up the Holocaust? I've educated the country and uh, apparently some uh, fellow broadcasters in radio about Walter Durante in my book, Unfreedom of the Press, and multiple times behind this microphone. Thanks, guys. And what the New York Times did to promote Stalin and to cover up Hitler. But so we'll take moral lessons from the New York Times. Hoaxes, lies, and collective delusions aren't new. So those are the three examples he gives. But the extent to which millions of Americans have embraced them, maybe. Millions of Americans embrace them. Millions of Americans stand behind the Constitution. Millions of Americans are concerned about what took place in four battleground states. I'm not talking about computer systems. I'm not talking even about fraudulent ballots. I'm talking about violations of our federal constitution. Where this putz, Mark Elias, and his fellow clowns went in the court, or directed people to go into court, and overturn existing election laws through governors, through secretaries of state, through election boards, and through local partisan courts. You see what I mean, Kevin? That's not QAnon. That's not a conspiracy theory. That was the strategy, and it worked, you idiot. 30% of Republicans have a favorable view of QAnon. 30% of Republicans. 98% of Republicans don't even know what the hell it is, including this one. I don't even seek to find out what it is. Seems to me the left knows more about this than anybody else. And then they try and paint with a broad black. Did you know you're a white supremacist, white privilege, and a QAnon follower, ladies and gentlemen? Did you know this? Apparently you are. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Let us continue with this piece by Kevin Ruse. Yeah, it is a ruse, really. Hoaxes, lies, and collector delusions, he writes in the New York Times, aren't new. But the extent to which millions of Americans have embraced them may be. 30% of Republicans have a favorable view of QAnon. According to a recent YouGov poll, what is a YouGov poll? Is it an online poll, Mr. Producer? Do we know? According to other polls, more than 70% of Republicans believe Mr. Trump legitimately won the election. Okay. How many, what percentage of Democrats thought Mr. Trump did not legitimately win in 2016? You see what I mean? You see this game? But that's not where we're headed with this. The muddled, chaotic information ecosystem that produces this, these misguided beliefs doesn't just jeopardize some lofty ideal of national unity. It actively exacerbates our biggest national problems. It creates more work for those trying to solve them. It raises important questions for the Biden administration. How do you unite a country in which millions of people have chosen to create their own version of reality? Yeah, your own version of reality. Like open borders, Joe. Like putting Americans out of work, Joe. You know, stuff like that. In the past year alone, we've seen conspiracy theorists cause COVID-19 vaccine delays. Where did we see that, Mr. Producer? Sabotage a wildfire response and engineer a false election fraud narrative. Sabotage a wildfire response. Yeah, this is amazing. This is a country of over 320 or 30 million people. We have all kinds of wonderful people in this country doing wonderful things, none of which will be mentioned in this article. And we have kooks. We actually have criminals. We even have rapists and killers and burglars, and that's why we have prisons. So to write a piece like this and cherry-pick stuff that goes on in this society as a reason for a fascistic, totalitarian response is really appalling in a newspaper that should be looking over its shoulder and be careful that it doesn't repeat the horrific nature of its corporate reporting over the last hundred years. He goes on, in the past year alone, we've seen conspiracy theorists cause vaccine delays. All right, I already read that. I've spent the past several years reporting on our national reality crisis. Oh, they have a new phrase, national reality crisis. And I worry that unless the Biden administration treats conspiracy theories and disinformation as the urgent threats they are, our parallel universes will only drift further apart and the potential for violent unrest and civic dysfunction will only grow. I agree with that, but having nothing to do with this crackpot's argument. There's nothing in here that talks about all those outrageous lies about Russia collusion. Nothing. Nothing in here about critical race theory is one big damn conspiracy. Nothing. Nothing in here about the collusion of big tech to shut down people. Nothing. Nothing in here about the riots that took place on the left and their impact on society. It's a long piece, too. He had plenty of room to do it. They got Proud Boys in here. How many of you are members of this Proud Boys group? How many of you even know anybody that's in that group? None of you. How many of you follow QAnon? Almost none of you. 
How many of you know half of what this idiot's talking about? Most of us don't. John Donovan, research director of Harvard University's Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics, and Public Policy, suggested the Biden administration could set up a truth commission, similar to the 9-11 commission, to investigate the planning and execution of the Capitol siege on January 6th. The Capitol siege. Does he mean the Capitol building siege, Mr. Biddy? With the whole was the whole Washington D.C. siege? I don't. I don't know. The whole city was taken over. This effort, she said, would ideally be led by people with deep knowledge of the many networked factions that coordinated and carried out the riot, including white supremacist groups and far right militia. And see, herein lies the problem. I don't have any problem rooting out white supremacist groups and the far-right militia. But for them, that means attacking the Second Amendment, free speech, the freedom of association. means attacking conservatives, conservative radio, the Fox News channel. It means victimizing by cutting off speech and communication avenues. For millions and millions of people with whom they disagree, Trump voters, Trump supporters, that's the problem. Conversely, absolutely no policing suggested about the left. The massive conspiracy theories that we've heard about the monuments clause and, uh, and the dossier and the Russia collusion and on and on and on. That never happens on the left. All you have to do is watch CNN and MSNBC, painful indeed, read some of the crap in this guy's own newspaper, listen to what these people are saying about Hitler and Stalin and all the rest of it, but that incites nothing. All you have to do is listen to Nancy Pelosi today, or any day. Or Omar, who's now playing the Muslim card. Omar, who is a full-throated anti-Semite who hates this country, says she's being criticized because she's a Muslim. No, she's being criticized because she's an anti-Semite who hates America. As Zudi Jasser would say, he's also Muslim. There must be accountability for these actions, Dr. Donovan of the research director of Harvard University Schoenstein Center said. My fear is, what does that mean, accountability for these actions? We have criminal laws. People are being pursued. They'll be charged, prosecuted. They'll have their defense. We'll have a court and that sort of thing. Is she talking about somebody else? Of course she is. People haven't done anything. You see, you're not sharing their reality. Their reality, a big government, redistribution of wealth, a post-constitutional society, a packed Supreme Court, a packed Senate. You're not following and embracing their reality, see, ladies and gentlemen. That's why this phrase is even frightening. My fear is that we will get distracted as a society and focus too much on giving voice to the fringe groups. They came out in droves for Trump. There you go. Fringe groups came out in droves for Trump. We got neo-Marxists and Marxist groups up the wazoo defending and supporting Bernie Sanders, the Democrat Party, Up the wazoo. Not a word about them. Not a word. It's as if Antifa and Black Lives Matter don't even exist. It would be like reporters writing in the 1960s and ignoring the weather underground. It's incredible. 
The experts were heartened that the Biden administration, the experts, in other words, these people that work at Ivy League colleges, were heartened that the Biden administration had already announced a, quote, comprehensive threat assessment, unquote, of domestic terrorism, or excuse me, domestic extremism from the Capitol riots. But they cautioned, why, why didn't they denounce the riots in Portland against the courthouse there? Or the riots in Lafayette Park against the White House. What does this expert have to say about that? What did, what did Ruse write about that? I'm sure nothing. Unless it was a defense. But they caution that categorizing these extremists as domestic terrorists, while understandable, given the damage they've caused, could backfire. They noted that the counterterrorism efforts had historically been used to justify expanding state power in ways that end up harming religious and ethnic minorities, and that today's domestic extremism crisis didn't map nearly onto older but conventional types of terror threats. It just amazes me that this is all written after January 6th, and none of it was written before January 6th. Isn't that amazing, Mr. Producer? If Mr. Ruse said, this is my third or fourth column on, on extremism and, and domestic extremism in this country, and, and, you know, and I wrote about these other... But he didn't, and he doesn't. Several experts I spoke with recommended that the Biden administration put together a cross-agency task force to tackle disinformation and domestic extremism. All right, hold on. There's a difference between disinformation and domestic extremism, is there not, Mr. Producer? Disinformation and domestic extremism. I told you I've been doing a lot of research for this book that I'm writing and spending an enormous amount of time on this because I think it's, it's very, very important. This isn't a theoretical thing that I'm doing. It's, it's a real thing, substance, tangible. And what's very, very interesting, as I read through various original documents, Marx, a guy by the name of Derek Bell and the critical race theory, as I dig into the Green New Deal and the, the effort there and all these other movements that, that, believe it or not, got their birth from Marxism. That's why the three founders of Black Lives Matter say they are well steeped in Marxist doctrine. And, of course, the media do not want to explain that, and they never will, because many of their reporters are. One of the things they attack is speech, free speech. And they say that people who basically disagree with them, because we live in a white supremacist society, that cannot be fixed, it cannot be reformed, it must be burned down. that when they disagree with these Marxists and neo-Marxists, it is they who are spreading disinformation. It's interesting how these words and arguments keep appearing. To throw in disinformation and domestic extremism in the same sentence, these are two completely different things. Now what is disinformation? I would argue that the media are involved in the disinformation all the time. They even hand themselves Pulitzer Prizes as a result. Again, we go to Russia collusion. There was never any evidence whatsoever. Period. And we spent two and a half and three years on this. 
And they tried to take out President Trump as a result of it. Isn't that disinformation? When Antifa and Black Lives Matter are trying to attack the White House or a federal courthouse, isn't that domestic terrorism? So why is it only now that this is being written about? Why is it mutually exclusive that you can have the Klan and neo-Nazis and so forth, as well as Marxists and neo-Marxists and Black Lives Matter and Antifa? Why, why are they mutually exclusive? They're not mutually exclusive. All of them are attacking the fabric of the nation. Now the fact that this, this group, I don't know how many there were, I don't know why the FBI doesn't tell us at this point, violently attacked the Capitol building while members of Congress were there on January 6th is not compared to the left extremists, domestic extremists, attacking the White House. The White House. Amazes me. And they do this in broad daylight, the media. Right now, these experts said the federal government's response to disinformation and domestic extremism, again, they pull them together, is haphazard and spread across multiple agencies, and there's a lot of unnecessary overlap. Renee DiResta, a disinformation researcher at Sanford's Internet Observatory, Internet Observatory, gave the example of two seemingly unrelated problems, misinformation, I thought we were talking about disinformation, and COVID-19, and misinformation about election fraud. Often, she said, the same people and groups are responsible for spreading both types. So instead of two parallel processes, one at the Centers for Disease Control aimed at tamping down COVID-related conspiracy theories, and another at the Federal Election Commission trying to correct voting misinformation, a centralized task force could coordinate a single strategic response. Unbelievable. So this guy, Alex Berenson, who's been writing on and on, former New York Times reporter, about so much that has been wrong with the federal government's response to COVID-19, including the so-called scientists and departments and all the rest of it. He could theoretically be called an agent of misinformation who would wind up on the same list as the neo-Nazis. That's the problem with this. From these damn fools in these universities and these damn fools at the New York Times. The task force could also meet regularly with tech platforms and push for structural changes that could help those companies tackle their own extreme. This would be a perfect document for the communist Chinese regime, for the Vladimir Putin regime, for the Iranian regime, for the Castro regime, and apparently for the Democrat Party and Joe Biden. Justice Brandeis said, well, obviously some time ago, Justice Brandeis said, and I paraphrase, the answer to hate speech is more speech. Do you hear that anywhere on the left? Do you hear that in any newspaper in America? Do you hear that from any Democrat ever? Not less speech, more speech. And what they're doing now is they're also fuzzing up or mushing up the line between speech and violence. That's what big, that's what big tech is doing now. They're saying that this speech 
is violent or could lead to violence. Therefore, we are eliminating it. All of this needs to be looked at, not by government, but by you and me. Because these are our liberties that they're intending to control and regulate and have a commission examine. Absolutely shocking. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Now, listen to all the talk, and it's all coming from the left. The media, which is obviously part of that reprogramming, deprogramming, blacklisting, silencing, reliance on government commissions, because they know that they control these government bureaucracies and they expect to control government forevermore. You can't mention that there was fraud in the election, my God. Not like the Democrats did. Russia collusion over and over again and held hearings and had criminal investigations and all this stuff. Unbelievable. Tried to take out a sitting president. Did you try to take out a sitting president, ladies and gentlemen? Did you push these conspiracy theories? This is more BS from the Washington Post and these pathetic, phony professors and phony experts. They're not experts on the First Amendment. They're not experts on free speech. They're not experts on what's ailing this society. What's ailing this society are these uh, iron-fisted efforts all through the last year that even the Supreme Court had to step in and protect people of faith, pushing people to the brink by making it impossible for them to earn a living and then sitting on relief for them for months at a time opening the borders to illegal aliens while shutting down American jobs. Why don't you look in the mirror, you left-wing kooks? I'll be... Mark doesn't suffer fools well. So, if you're a fool... Don't call 877-381-3811. Now look at this. We just read that New York Times piece by Mr. Ruse. Talks about disinformation, misinformation, and 
Domestic extremism. Well, I have an example for him. This is from Breitbart, one of the great sites out there. Our buddy Joel Pollack, one of the great patriots. Democrat lawyer Mark Elias claims faulty voting machines in New York race. Wait a minute, Mr. Producer. He's saying there was fraud. He's now involved in misinformation and disinformation. Is he a member of Kunan, do you think? Or Kunan or whatever? Kunan, do you think he's a proud boy? Mark Elias. Mark Elias? Why does that ring a bell, Mr. Producer? Wasn't he involved in the dossier? Wait a minute. Disinformation, misinformation, domestic extremism? Mr. Roos, call the New York Slimes, everybody. Mark Elias, the election lawyer who represented Democratic challenges in states throughout the 2020 election, alleged in a court filing this week that a close congressional race in upstate New York was marred by faulty voting machines. And I assume Dominion and the other one are going to sue this guy, right? For millions, if not billions, Mr. Producer. Republicans have been vilified for making similar claims about the 2020 presidential race. But in the congressional race for New York's 22nd district, Republican Claudia Tenney, who was on this program last night, she is solid, currently leads incumbent Democrat Anthony Brzezinski by a razor-thin margin of 125 votes. Tenney declared victory on Tuesday, though challenges continue. In a legal filing Monday requesting a manual audit of the election, Elias whose Perkins Coie law firm is representing Brindisi, argued that there was, quote, substantial errors and irregularities in the conduct of the election, unquote. Misinformation, disinformation. We have a conspiracy nut, Mr. Elias. A domestic extremist. Let us hope he's not exciting anyone. Citing alleged discrepancies between vote counts by hand and vote counts by ballot machines. Elias argued the error rate extrapolated across the entire district can mean that thousands of votes were improperly counted by the machines. Here this guy's making an argument that Trump lawyers are trying to make and get in front of a judge who would actually look at the evidence. He's making the argument that's been denounced as conspiracy theorists. He also complained about procedural faults with the conduct of the voting process, alleging failures to comply with New York State election law. In one passage of his filing, he asserted, quote, In this case, there is reason to believe that the voting tabulation machines misread hundreds, if not thousands, of valid votes as overvotes. Again, I would like to know what company owns it and to see if that company is going to sue him. And that these tabulation machine errors disproportionately affected Brindisi. In addition, Oswego County admitted in a sworn statement to this court that its tabulation machines were not tested and calibrated in the days leading up to the November 3, 2020 general election as required by state law and necessary to ensure the counts generated by tabulation machines are accurate. Elias Sleazeball is also representing defeated Democrat Rita Hart in Iowa's 1st Congressional District, who lost by six votes to Republican Representative Meeks He's asking the Democrat-controlled House to overturn the result of election and seed heart despite certification of the vote by state election authorities bypassing Iowa courts in the process. I wonder what they think about this at Harvard and Stanford. I wonder what they think about this at the New York Times. How come these examples are not in that article, Mr. Producer? 
Here we have the spreading of lies, disinformation, and misinformation. So is Mark Elias a domestic extremist? Is Perkins Coy a domestic extremist? Well, it depends on who's running the commission, isn't it? In addition, as Breitbart News has noted, Elias was responsible for hiring opposition research for Infusion GPS on behalf of Hillary Clinton's campaign and the Democratic National Committee, which produced the fraudulent Russian dossier on then-candidate Donald Trump in 2016. Wow. Look at that. I wonder if this guy, Roos, if that is his name, ever watches CNN. The liars and the propagandists and the spin doctors dressed up as hosts. Does he watch them? Doesn't even mention them. How about our friends over at MSLSD? Does he ever watch the unhinged Joe Scarborough and Mrs. Unhinged? That would be Mrs. Scarborough Brzezinski. Does he ever watch them? Do you ever watch that reprobate? Stephen Schmidt, who looks like a, uh, well, never mind. Uh, (laughs) Of course not. No, 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 they don't watch them. Or they do and they agree with them. No, it's only the right-wingers. Everybody on the right is a white supremacist. Again, again, this is what's being taught in our universities. This is what's being pushed. A white-dominant, white-privileged society where all whites are alike, all think alike, their ancestries alike. They all came here the same time, I guess. Everybody thinks alike. There's a lot of people I can't stand who are white. You know what I mean, Mr. But it's true. I have nothing in common with them and they with me. But it doesn't matter. You have to dehumanize people. You must dehumanize people. And so uh, this is the state of play now. The people who are defending civil liberties, the people who are defending the Bill of Rights, free speech, freedom of association, freedom of religion, the right to bear arms, due process, equal protection, private property rights under the Fifth Amendment, the people who are protecting them are just us. We're the only ones. We're the only ones. The media? No. Big tech? Obviously, no. The Democrat Party? No, no. Mitt Romney? No. Now a footnote on Liz Cheney. It's amazing how the Republican establishment ran to her side, all the Bushies, McConnell, Rove, and the rest. It's my understanding from doing additional checking on this, that she's been very poor at her job, the number three ranking Republican in the House. It's her job to represent the Republican caucus. She doesn't. Our friend Kevin McCarthy, next time he's here, I want to ask him about it. He set it up so the vote would be secret. Rather than public, so you and I and the rest of the country could know how our members are voting. Where they say one thing out of one side of their mouth and another thing out of the other side of their mouth. But in the end, it'll be the people of her 
state of Wyoming that will decide whether they want her to stay or go. I just want to say a profile in really weakness, cowardice, was what happened. Not a profile in courage. When she joined Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and Gerald Nadler, she joined Maxine Waters and joined the rest of them in trying to, really insisting that Donald Trump was the one who unleashed a quote-unquote insurrection against the Capitol. And her statement was among the worst. Among the worst. So the Republicans re-elected as their conference chairperson. Somebody who not only sided with Nancy Pelosi and big media, but gave them talking points. And she said it was a vote of conscience. Well, if I were voting, my conscience would have said to get rid of her. If I were voting in Wyoming, my conscience would say get rid of her. Yes, there is an issue of loyalty, but it goes beyond that. What we saw in the House of Representatives on that day, when they impeached the President of the United States, was a complete undermining of the impeachment process in the Constitution, burning up the traditions of how we handle impeachment in this country, rejection of every notion of due process, really, in the history of Western civilization. And she always hated Trump because she's a hawk. She hated Trump for his Middle East policies, which were successful. She hated Trump in his dealings with North Korea. She hated him. Then she saw an opportunity to stab him in the back, much like this Adam Kingsinger, who's now on a a tour of every liberal newsroom he can possibly visit, complaining about his family members. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know, we really do have a number of very serious problems here. We have a media that doesn't believe in liberty and doesn't believe in news. We have movements across this nation 
which have really been spawned by the Marxist slash progressive ideology. We have a Democrat Party that is the the embodiment of all of these things. They will use any process, any technique to try and destroy their opponents or anybody who stands in their way. They will even defame tens of millions of Americans, calling them extremists, people who believe in misinformation and disinformation, throw them in with QAnon or whatever for the purpose of dehumanizing them and diminishing them. Let alone not allowing them to participate in the national discussion and debate. We have a party and an ideology that wants to change our election system so they can never lose, disenfranchising almost half the country. They are more open to illegal aliens than they are to Americans who are working hard to keep their jobs and to get jobs because they know that two-thirds of the people coming across the border are going to vote Democrat one day. And I'll tell you something that's interesting about this as an offshoot point. Again, as I do this research, the so-called intellectuals and scholars in this critical race theory uh, movement they want open borders they want new mass immigration they start from the premise that America is irredeemably a white privileged a white supremacist a white dominant society you can hear this now even in every article I just read to you or reading to you of course that's not true but it doesn't matter And one of the answers they have for this is massive immigration from areas of the world of non-whites into the United States. This isn't me. I'm telling you what they push. And now it all makes sense. When Barack Obama used to say, you know, in 2044, and I think Biden did say too, the white majority will be a white minority, and the minorities, when you add them together, will be the majority. I said, well, who thinks like this? Isn't this weird? Aren't we supposed to be a colorblind society? Shouldn't we talk about Americans and, and rights for all Americans, unalienable rights, regardless of all these physical characteristics and everything? No, apparently. No. The entire push in the last quarter century, but particularly the last 10 to 12 years, has been to change the racial makeup of the country. This is, again, this isn't me. This isn't some conspiracy not on the left. This is in their scholarship, which I will mention, you know, as I write this up. Another thing that I want you to know, Black Lives Matter is born from this movement. It's a Marxist slash race movement. It's the old separatist movement, sort of Malcolm X and so forth, but all that. The reason why Black Lives Matter gets so angry, if not violent, when you say all lives matter, is because its founders and its activists have been taught by law school professors 
college professors, and in various textbooks that are now used in these schools, but through regular propaganda. That when you say all lives matter, you are embracing the white dominant culture's attitude about minorities. Remember, the goal is to topple the white dominant culture because it's poisonous. And it cannot be redeemed. It cannot be reformed. And so this is where the Marxism comes in. You must destroy society and recreate it. So it's all coming together now. Where are these people getting these ideas from? Why are they lacing things together like this? Because this is that movement. This is what they're being taught. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877. 381 I want to continue where we left off in the second hour uh, with a piece. Let's see. What's the fellow's name again? He's a great writer. Can we find the name of this gentleman? If for some reason it didn't print on my... It's the uh, Federalist piece. I'll circle back and tell you his name in a moment. And he is a good writer. He just skips my memory. He says, the QAnon takeover of the GOP is a fantasy of corporate media and Democrats. It's a fantasy. What is it? John Daniel Davidson, excellent writer on an excellent site. And uh, you can see this QAnon thing is being used by the Democrats and the media and others to try and steal your civil liberties. Destroy your reputation. Even though you have nothing to do with it, don't know anything about it. There's a big rush now, he writes, among corporate media, Democrats, and never-Trumpers to establish a narrative that the Republican Party is being torn apart in a bitter civil war between its establishment wing and its supposed QAnon wing. It's about as true as your garden-variety QAnon conspiracy theory, but it's politically useful, which is why you're seeing it crop up all over the media right now. According to this narrative, dangerous right-wing conspiracy theorists and QAnon acolytes make up a sizable portion of the GOP electorate. You saw that in that piece I read at the New York Times. And enjoy broad acceptance among many Republican elected officials and right-of-center media outlets. These people believe all the lies and conspiracy theories, quote-unquote, that Trump peddled after the November election, so much so that they launched an armed insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th in a failed attempt to overthrow the election results and maybe even kidnap Vice President Mike Pence or murder Representative Ayach. This wing of the GOP is so dangerous, we're told. We need a 9-11-style commission to investigate what happened on January 6th. 
We need, we need a new domestic terrorism law. We're definitely going to have to figure out how to de-radicalize Trump supporters. Half the country has lost its mind, you see, which is why so many legacy media outlets have been publishing very serious essays on MAGA extremism. We don't address this now, then MAGA white supremacist militias will terrorize America like Al-Qaeda. Only worse. Tune into NPR, CNN, browse the pages of the New York Times or the Washington Post, and you hear all this discussed in detail ad nauseum. But it's pure fantasy, almost a kind of conspiracy theory of its own, akin to the years-long conspiracy theories about Trump's collusion with Russia in the 2016 election, which Democrats and the press still cling to, despite zero evidence after years of investigation. Indeed, the notoriety QAnon now enjoys has more to do with the media building it up than Republicans flocking to its banner. According to Pew Research, last spring during the Democratic primaries, more Democrats had heard about QAnon conspiracy theories than Republicans, 28 to 18% respectfully. And by the fall, that disparity had grown. 55% of Democrats saying they heard of it, compared to less than 40% of Republicans. Notice this was not in Mr. Ruse's piece in the New York Times. Instead, he uses some YouGov site, I guess, to say that 70% of Republicans believe in the QAnon. 70% of Republicans don't know what the hell QAnon is. So they're lying over there at the New York Times. Notably, those most likely to say they've heard about it also reported that they got their news mainly from the New York Times. MSNBC and NPR. The reason Democrats and the media want to build up QAnon in the minds of Americans is fairly obvious. To tar all Republicans as crazy conspiracy theorists. That's an explicit strategy among Democratic leadership in the House right now. As Politico reported this week, Democratic TV ads launched this week spotlight supporters of QAnon. Quote, it is the first step in a larger plan orchestrated by the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee's new chair, Sean Patrick Maloney of New York, to exploit the growing fiction between Trump hardliners and establishment Republicans in the GOP base, which Maloney sees as a major weak point for the party. The point of all this is to make all Republican candidates answer for the outlandish ideas of a small sliver of the GOP electorate and exactly one newly elected Republican member of the House, Representative Margie Taylor Green of Georgia, who I'll get to in a moment, a now famous, thanks to the media, QAnon conspiracy theorist, and he writes, generally kooky lady, the people in northwest Georgia made the mistake of electing the Congress in November. As I say, I will circle back to that. Corporate media is now presenting Green as a rising star in the Republican Party and a major figure on the right, the GOP equivalent of Representative Each. In reality, she's a political nobody, he writes, who's been repudiated by nearly everyone in her own party. And unlike Ayach, hasn't been plastered on the cover of fashion magazines and treated like, a, treated like a superstar by the media. Sure, Trump might have once called Green a rising star at a rally, but the idea that she's somehow representative of a substantial portion of the GOP, or that she holds any real sway over the party or the Republican electorate as a whole, is frankly ridiculous. By contrast, Each, an actual star of the Democratic Party and a top Democratic fundraiser in the House, was roundly mocked on Twitter Wednesday for lying about 
how much danger she was in during the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. She was in an adjacent office building. Now Ayach is threatening people to retract that. Have you seen that, Mr. Producer? I'm not retracting a damn thing. And your threats of a lawsuit? Bring it on, baby. Because I want to depose you. We're going to learn all about you and your friends. I don't settle lawsuits. Admittedly, Green, like Ayok, believes and says crazy things. Yet she was elected to Congress by a couple hundred thousand Georgians. But so is Representative Hank Johnson, who represents Georgia's 4th Congressional District in Atlanta's eastern suburbs. Johnson, who was re-elected in November to an eighth term, once compared Jewish-Israeli settlers to termites. And in a bizarre 2010 exchange with the House Armed Services Committee, speculated about the possibility that Guam might tip over and capsize from the way to too many U.S. Marines deployed there. High on the IQ level, obviously. Before Johnson, that seat was held by six-term Democrat Representative Cynthia McKinney, a 9-11 conspiracy theorist, who in an April 2002 radio interview claimed the Bush administration received numerous warnings before the attacks and that the Bush family might have even allowed them to happen for profit. Before that, McKinney claimed there had been widespread voter fraud in Florida during the 2000 presidential election and that Al Gore had actually won. She joined a handful of other House Democrats in objecting to the certification of the Electoral College vote and did so again four years later, objecting to the electoral votes from Ohio. McKinney never faced Republican calls to be stripped of her committee assignments or to be expelled from Congress as Green now faces from House Democrats for views she held prior to being elected. Instead, McKinney was primaried by another Democrat in 02, punished not by the media or the opposing party, but by the voters in her own district. She challenged her primary loss in court, by the way, claiming thousands of Republicans had voted in the Democratic primary, presented no evidence of voter fraud, and lost the case. She was re-elected in 04, however. Disinformation, misinformation, domestic extremists, Mr. Producer? Sometimes crackpots get elected to Congress, but the proper remedy is for their constituents to vote them out, not for their fellow lawmakers to do an end run around voters. Setting aside Green and QAnon, there is a tug-of-war underway in the GOP, but it's not between QAnon enthusiasts and non-QAnoners. It's between tens of millions of voters who supported President Trump and one of more populous Republican Party, and establishment figures who wish we could go back to 2015 and pretend Trump never happened. But that fight is a lopsided one with a handful of elected neoconservatives like Representative Cheney and never-Trump pundits on one side, the vast majority of the GOP electorate on the other. A recent morning consult political poll taken weeks after the January 6th riot found 81% of Republican voters still view Trump favorably, with a majority saying they have strongly held views of Trump and want him to run again in 2024. And by the way, that's what this... QAnon, these attacks on Trump, that, that's what that's all about, to take them out. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. They fear Trump. They fear Trump. Notice they're not doing this against John Kasich or Chris Christie or the other lightweights, although I guess Christie's not a lightweight. He's the uh, Cape May Orca. Didn't I name him the Cape May Orca, Mr. Producer? I used to call Ted Kennedy the Cape Cod Orca, but he's not with us any longer, so I'll show due respect. That might be one reason why, despite their personal feelings about Trump, 45 out of 50 GOP senators recently voted 
to dismiss the former president's upcoming impeachment trial as unconstitutional. They know the overwhelming majority of Republican voters think the impeachment is a politically motivated stunt to punish Republicans and paint all Trump voters with a broad brush of insurrectionists and conspiracy theorists. This is why Lynn Cheney should not be in the leadership of the Republican Party in the House. She has contributed to this in a selfish, narcissistic way. She contributed to this. The long-term question at the heart of the actual conflict in the Republican Party isn't about QAnon or even about Trump. It's about whether a post-Trump GOP will go back to being docile in the face of a Democrat Party dominance, indifferent about the border and trade, all too eager to embroil American foreign wars, and quiescent in culture wars. A GOP that refused to go back to those days and took up the banner of conservative populism will be a real threat to Democratic control in Washington and the cultural ascendancy of the left. No wonder Democrats and the media would rather talk about QAnon. By the way, I don't buy this term, populists and conservative populists. Conservatism doesn't need to be hyphenated. Conservatism was never about centralized, corporatist activity. It was never about that. Never. Conservatism was never about free trade with your, with your enemies, like communist China, or the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, or communist Cuba, or anything of that sort. Conservatism believes in protecting yourself and not, not selling the technology and the know-how to your enemies so they can use it against you. That's the corporatists who did that. That's the Republican establishment that did that. Conservatism is about the individual. And last time I checked, working people are individuals. But all individuals. All individuals. So that's a debate for another day, this phraseology that we use, and somehow this is a, uh, a new concept. The new, the new act that occurred was the election of Donald Trump, who actually tried to implement major aspect, aspects of conservatism that has been talked about over the decades, but has been fought by the same entrenched Republican corporatist establishment as we here behind this microphone have been fighting for 20 years. And as I've been fighting my entire adult life since I was a teenager uh, and trying to campaign and get Ronald Reagan nominated in Pennsylvania in 1976. Most of the people my age now talking about, oh yes, uh, populism and conservatism, they were nowhere to be found in 1976. Ronald Reagan was talking about working people in the Democrat Party many decades ago. You know who else talked about it? And doesn't get enough credit for it, Mr. Producer? Rick Santorum. The great senator from Pennsylvania at one point. And he lost, not due to his conduct or anything, he lost in 06, I recall, when the Republicans were blown out because the architect uh, wasn't much of an architect, actually. But Santorum wrote an entire book on this subject. So this has been something that has been embraced by leading conservatives, political and thinkers, and so forth, actually for some time. Donald Trump was able to embrace it. Donald Trump was able to win with it. Donald Trump was able to institute big chunks of it. 
And uh, we will miss him, and we do miss him. I do. I'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Unity, unity, right, folks? Unity. No, I told you before, it's about conformity and repression. So the Democrats voted to remove Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from her House committee seats. Even though she was elected with 75% of the vote in Georgia. What did she do as a member of Congress? She's only been in there a couple of weeks. She didn't do anything as a member of Congress. They went back, they looked at things that she had posted on social media several of which were totally outrageous. And then they decided, okay, well, we need to take you down because we can't have a member of Congress like that sitting on committees and representing her constituents. So now her constituents are without representation on major committees. Never before in the history of the United States Congress has the opposition party voted to remove a member of the other party from committees. It's the first time because Nancy's a woman of firsts. No defense of Miss Green because she's a woman. No. I pointed out some time ago, and apparently some of the Freedom Caucus conservatives concurred, that there's no way you can remove her from committees and not remove Omar or Talib and the other reprobates. And so some of the members did raise the issue of Omar. And they were voted down by the majority of the Democrats. Omar today said she was singled out because she's Muslim. Omar is a liar and a fraud and a coward. We don't single out Muslims in this country. There are other countries, majority Muslim, that single out other Muslims and kill each other. That's not America. And the FBI statistics prove that. In fact, the group that is most faced with hate crimes, not hate speech, hate crimes, are Jews. The fact of the matter is Omar is called out because she's an anti-Semite. She's called out because she's a Marxist. She's called out because she hates her country. That's why she's called out. She has said things in the public record that are outrageous while a member of the House of Representatives. Let me repeat that. While a member of the House of Representatives. Ms. Green's postings had nothing to do with her representation. They were pre her election. 
and being sworn in as a member of the House. And she has said she regrets a number of the things that she posted. But that's not what this is about. This is about Nancy Pelosi, who is a sick old lady, who doesn't care who she destroys, who doesn't care if she uproots traditions. She's a radical, even by San Francisco standards. That's all she knows. That's all she knows. San Francisco politics, California politics, but she is the queen of San Francisco for decades. That's who she hangs out with. That's the, uh, that's the culture she's in. And so she can give a damn if she burns down the rest of the country and the Constitution and everything with it. I told you the other day, there's many kinds of tyrannies. There's tyrannies like you saw the attack on the White House, the federal courthouse, and the Capitol building, and the tyranny inside the Capitol building. That's who Nancy Pelosi is. She's a tyrant. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, I should really keep my mouth shut sometimes. You spend hours and hours, nights into the early mornings, early mornings into the nights, all weekends, doing the research, the scholarship. I come on the air, I talk to you about something like critical race theory. And what do I see after two days of talking about this, Mr. Producer? There it is on cable TV. It's not cable TV's fault, it's my fault. I feel, you know, I've come across things, I feel I want to share them as soon as possible. But uh, I just forget the kind of uh, industry I'm working in. So I I really got to be a little bit more careful. I just have to be more careful. I'm not going to be producing stuff for other people. We do our own thing here. I do my own thing here. Roseanne in New York, the great WABC, go. Mm, Yellow. Yellow, Roseanne. Yellow. Trying to get through to you for weeks. Thank you? you. I'm good. How are you? Um, I want to tell you a little bit about... I'm good, thank you. I want to tell you a little bit about um, New York City. I'm a New York City public school teacher. Mm-hmm. I teach elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not... I do not 
subscribe to COPE. I'm sure you know what COPE is, right? Um, COPE. Not really. COPE is, it is, okay. So COPE, you might find this interesting. Um, I didn't know either. And for years, I gave my money to it, uh, a portion, an extra portion, a few dollars extra out of each paycheck um, to the union, not knowing what it was. It is the Committee on Political Education. Oh, and I did that for about Sounds six left wing. years. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. So um, in 2014, I stopped funding Coke out of my paycheck because I found out that they used my money to send busloads of protesters to Staten Island for the Eric Garner protest led by the ultimate opportunist, Al Sharpton. Mm-hmm. And that just put me over All the right, head. so tell me what's going so on said, you know today. What? Okay, so today we're going to run out of time. Um, you have children that are in children that are in school. Uh, what I really want you to know is that not every teacher is is in with the union. Oh, I know okay? that. I we, listen. I have teachers in my family, extended family. I notice. I ta- I don't. I talk about the teachers' union, the union, which is made up of radicals. Every damn one of them. The AFT, the head of the AFT is a longtime Democrat radical. The NEA, same damn thing. Go ahead. Right. The key is I am a Puerto Rican. I came from a broken home. I came, I, I, you know, a mental illness, single mother, welfare. But thank God she didn't want the same for me. And so um, I am a conservative who is fighting for this country, okay, and mm-hmm. was at the Capitol on January 6th and didn't see the craziness, some of the craziness that happened. Of course happened. not. I, the vast majority of people, they didn't even know what the hell was going on until later. No. I, they weren't even I close to the Capitol building. The Labor Department set. Yeah, and, I know where that is. What we could see, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. We were, we were, we were, people were singing. There were food trucks. There, was, there were pastors. There were. I don't think they have video of that. No, they don't. But I All right, Roseanne, I appreciate your call. Keep up the good work. You sound like a, a lovely lady. You take care of yourself. Let me keep moving here. Amanda, Wilkesboro, North Carolina, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Amanda? I'm well. How are you, Mr. Levin? Very well. Thank you. I'm calling. My sister is a principal at a private school locally. And I just want to say how much I appreciate people like her and her teachers and staff and those at other schools like it. This isn't one of these super elite schools for the uber-rich, like the politicians and their kids, too. And, in fact, a lot of these schools, the teachers and staff get paid far less, get far fewer benefits, if any, sometimes, than their public school counterparts. And yet these and her school in particular They have been open since the beginning of the year. They have had to institute a whole bunch of extra practices to comply with the state regulations. They have really gone the extra mile in order to be there for the kids to get the in-class education that they need. And and like I said, they get far less compensation Mm -hmm. than their public counterparts. I just it shows how much they really care. And, and you can I, also see other parts of the country uh, where these school districts are well managed or better managed anyway. Uh, but when you have these powerful teacher unions run by radicals, they look at an opportunity like this for 
shaking down the community. I mean, uh, everything else is working in this country. People are going to jobs. I see them every day. I'm out there myself. I see people at uh, Office Depot and Staples. I see people in the restaurants. I see people at the grocery store and on and on and on. And the schools are closed. I'm looking at these facilities that we, the people, paid for. Big, beautiful facilities, one after another. Where they used to talk about you can't have the class size bigger than this and on and all the other rules. Not having any classes. Oh, we're doing it by, uh, by computer, by the Internet. Okay, that's not education. That's a substitute for education. And the science tells us that teachers should be in the classroom teaching little kids. And that's it, bottom line. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Oscar, Springfield, Virginia, the great WMAL. Oscar, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Go right ahead. I'm a teacher, I'm a teacher but I don't, want to, I don't want to say anything about that. Okay. What I want to say is, <laughs> I want to say is, I had a lot of student loans. My, my uh, graduate, graduate degree when I, when I went to teacher's college, um, I had, I don't know, what is it, 70000 60000 maybe more. So um, it was a lot of loans. So I paid all, all the loans off. So what I had to do was I had to work Uber. I had to work in a supermarket. I'm talking about 75, 80 hours a week. Wow. Um, yeah, a, a, a lot. Actually, I picked up your friend one day, Hillsborough, Hillsdale College president. Picked up, pick him Larry up Arn. In my Uber. Yeah, yeah great guy. Him up in my Uber. His uh, his Cadillac and chauffeur broke down, and uh, wow. I came rolling up in my Chevy Cruze. All right, let's stay focused now. All right. All right. So, you're saying that you worked extra hard to pay off your student loan, and now you're going to see people getting freebies. How does that make you feel? Oh, forget about it. I'm very upset because mm-hmm. um, you took out the student loans. You decided to go to such and such college. You got to pay for the loan. Yeah, but you know why the Democrats are doing this. This is just a way to buy off another constituency group. That's it. It's that simple. Remember, you and I exist to support the Democrat Party and their base. I go to work every day, and you do too, so they can redistribute some of our income to them. That's what's going on here. They, They want to use the instrumentality of government not to strengthen the republic, not to expand individual liberty, not to grow the economy, but to strengthen, grow, and expand the Democrat Party. That's the bottom line. Oscar, thank you for your call, my friend. Take care of yourself, sir. Sylvia, Albuquerque, New Mexico, XM Satellite, go. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. You I just it. wanted to say that um, uh, the government is, is our, our, um, our enemy, and you have really educated educated us on this. Well, hold on now. I wouldn't say the government is our entity, uh, our enemy. I would say uh, the left certainly treats us as their enemy. But the, the government, per se, there are people in the government who are out of control. There are government programs that are out, out of control. But the Republican part of the government is the best kind of government. Little r, Republican. But what I mean by that is that they both you know, Republicans and Democrats are against us, the people, because 
because Trump came in and exposed them as, as corrupt. They only work for themselves. They want to get rich. That's why they are there until they die. I mean, look at them. They're old. They're there their whole lives. Look at Biden. He's been there 50 years. They are our enemies. I, I don't disagree with the your point about the D.C. establishment, the McConnell types, uh, and they're supported by whole bunch of consultants and operatives and the Democrat Party and so forth. They uh, they do one thing to get elected, the Republicans, and then they do another thing when they're there. Do you think Mitt Romney would have been elected to the Senate if the people of Utah knew how Mitt Romney would turn out? Do you think Mitch McConnell would have been reelected, uh, given how he's conducted himself the last several weeks? No, they wouldn't have. Do you think this idiot Sass from Nebraska would have been elected? No, no, he found his voice right after his reelection. This is what we're dealing with here. If that's your point, I agree with you 100%. Yes, that's my point. But, but also I wanted to say that, um, for instance, Democrats now are realizing that black people are voting the Republican now. They realize with Trump that they have a chance to get better in their lives and to, and to get ahead. You, you know, I wouldn't say they're voting, but they voted for him in a bigger percentage. And you make a very interesting point, because when there were polls starting to come out, about two and a half years ago, I can remember this, August two years ago. You remember, Mr. Producer, I said they're now calling Trump a racist to drive down his support among black males. Because his support among black males was really starting to increase. And so they had to get this racist narrative out there to keep attacking him, attacking him, attacking him in order to drive down the black vote. Because the thinking was if he took a, even a, a, a slightly bigger percentage of the black vote, he couldn't be beaten. Well, he took a significantly bigger percentage of the black vote than Republican predecessors. He took a significantly bigger percentage of the, uh, of the Hispanic vote than his Republican predecessors. All these things were done, and yet Joe Biden is in the Oval Office. <laughs> Give me another document to say, yeah, Executive, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of liking this, this thing here. Do I sign my name? Or, uh... All right, ma'am, thank you for your call. Quickly. Our friends at Campus Reform, a great organization. There are words colleges don't want you to say that have been banned now. You going to believe this? Ban certain words. Michigan State University, you cannot use the word foreign or alien uh, in order to describe um, anything. Foreign or alien. Uh, they're considered uh, pejoratives. University of Pittsburgh scraps homecoming king and homecoming queen. University of California's Council of Chief Diversity released a guidance document regarding how to hold a positive and inclusive campus climate during the pandemic. The list tells students the faculty will reject racism, sexism, xenophobia, all hate or intolerant speech, both in person and online. It instructs students to not use terms like Chinese virus. Unbelievable. And not allow the use of these terms by others. University of Virginia, an instructor at University of Virginia, Virginia called to abolish the phrase student-athlete, claiming it has arguably racial undertones. Today, the majority of revenue-producing athletes in sports of football and men's basketball are black. They are coached mostly by white men, she said. So stop using student-athlete? These people are insane. I don't even know what they're talking about. Vanderbilt lists 
sexual reassignment surgery as an outdated term. Okay, so don't use that. You need to use gender identity and gender expression. Mr. Perdue, does your gender have like a separate expression? All of you out there, does your gender have a separate expression? Good going, Vanderbilt. Leading anti-racist professor calls the term legal vote racist. Boston University, Director of Center for Anti-Racist Research. Ibrahim Kendi, oh, said the phrase legal vote is racist. <clears throat> well, I don't know. We should be sending more and more of our kids to colleges and universities and making sure that it's easier for them by insisting that you and I pay off their student debt. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Hunter Biden has a book coming out. You believe that? I'm sure he wrote it. Called uh, Beautiful Things. And on the cover is a picture of him as a very young child holding somebody's hand. I assume it's his father's. I thought to myself, Hunter Biden's book is called Beautiful Things. Shouldn't it be called like Snorting My Way Through, uh, through Life or something? Something like that. I'm sure that'll be a bestseller or not. I don't think anybody gives a damn. They're not going to read it. Although maybe the prosecutors will read it for evidence. You know, when you look at the things Biden and his family have and are doing, and you look at what they did to Trump, it's just unbelievable. So Biden is putting a guy in the Department of Justice to head the criminal division who was an associate or associated with the lawyer who's represented Hunter Biden in his case, Mr. Producer. Now, I can assure you if anything even close to that happened during the Trump administration, we'd never hear the end of this. Nothing like it. It's really amazing. We have the new Secretary of Defense, who is at war with the military, military personnel. We're now going to stand down for 60 days while we determine if any of the military personnel out there are white supremacists. Fair enough. How about any Marxist leftists? Well, it's a whole other story. All right, we salute all you heroes out there. These are troubling times, no doubt. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.
from the Westwood One Podcast Network.